Welcome to the Littlestown Chapel Podcast. Make sure to check us out on the web at littlestownchapel.org. Now, we hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Joshua Stratton. It is good to be together. Um, I need to publicly apologize to my teenagers. There's no teen church today. I know, I know, I know. But it gives me a good excuse to play a game. Yeah, so let's, we're going to play a game together, okay? This, I call this uh, Siriochi, Okay. Siri, meaning the AI, you know, Apple phenomenon. Uh, you definitely have a friend in Siri. And we're going to do a little Disney trivia, but through the voice of Siri. All right, go to the next slide, please. The instructions are pretty clear. Uh, Siri's going to say the words, really sing it in her best voice. Um, and you have to guess what movie it's from. You think we can do this? All right, let's try this out. Number one here. All those days watching from the windows, all those years outside looking in, all that time never even knowing just how blind I've been. Don't be shy, yell it out. That's right. Come on, I know we got a few Disney fanatics here. That's right. I see the light from Tangled, Disney modern classic. Okay, let's try this next one here. Everybody look left. The Lion King, yes, we watch way too many Disney movies. Isn't that right? Okay, let's try another one here. For there's no man in town half as manly. Perfect. A pure paragon. Beauty and the Beast, that's right. Hey, we got some uh, older parents yelling that out this time. Well done, well done. Okay, next one here. Master, you're in love. Cause up your sleeves. You've got a brand of magic never fails. Aladdin, that's right, yeah. This is actually my favorite Disney animated movie. Um, not that you care what I think, but. All right, uh, next one, please. I think I got what, I got two more? Yes. Uh, I remember when this movie came out and my sisters just roamed the halls. Ha ha ha! <laughs> All right, I think this is the last one here. I think some company is overdue. I've started talking to the pictures on the walls. Frozen, yes. Yes, the, the, the modern classic. Well, I do have a reason for what we're doing, okay? <laughs> Although I love to play games. Uh, we are, I'm going to use uh, Walt Disney in a second here to kind of prove my point this morning, but we're starting a new sermon series called Building Tomorrow today, building tomorrow today. And over the last couple of weeks, Pastor Scott has introduced really the vision for our church that we want to make a real impact in our culture, a real impact in our community. And if you are new here, first off, welcome. My name is Pastor Josh and I oversee the student ministry and adult small groups and 
anything else you can probably think of. Um, and uh, there is a card that I would love you to grab. It's on the info desk. So when you go out on your way out this uh, afternoon, make sure you grab one of these cards. And it gives a, a, a short synopsis of what we're doing as a church. Our vision for five years and also 10 years out. We truly want to make an impact in our community. Is it possible for this little church to reach 1% of our community, like a 10-mile radius around our church? Could we reach 1% in 10 years? I think we can. I think we can. That'd be 1,030 people in the next 10 years. And we have a plan to do that. And that's what this is. And the last couple of weeks, Pastor Scott fleshed this out and, and he gave us the why, like, so that others may live. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that important that is dependent upon whether or not people live and experience life, not just life in eternity, but life to the full. And we're excited about that. And I want to go um, a little bit further and talk about the how, if you will, for the next couple of weeks. The how, if we're going to be building tomorrow, it starts today. And where Walt Disney comes into this is truly the Disney Corporation has had huge influence in our society. They have really been transformational. And Disney was a real forward thinker. He loved future talk. In fact, he created his own world, Futureland, right? He was a part of different projects, and he was always trying to solve problems in the cities, and he would take his resources and, and, and take some of the designs and things they had, and they would put it towards uh, everything from transportation to sanitation. This is just kind of the way that he thought. But the, the thing that he revolutionized and, of course, is most known for is the transformation that he did in the way that parents play with their kids and vice versa, kids play with their parents. You see, Disney loved children. Disney loved children. His daughter was quoted as saying, uh, Daddy never missed a father-daughter event. No matter how I discounted it, I would say, Oh, Daddy, you don't need to come. It's just one stupid old thing. But he would always be there right on time. A question in anybody's mind in our culture that Walt Disney didn't love kids and wanted to see kids playing with their parents. And, of course, Disney today is this huge corporation that is one of the top grossing corporations in our society. But really what's made them transformational and, 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 and bigger than just the dollars and cents is that they are actually in our homes and have changed the way we think and the way we interact with our kids to some degree. And this has made them relevant generation after generation. You know the songs. We just played the game. You watch the movies. You sit down with your kids and enjoy it with them. And this is the idea that is very important for us if we are actually making an impact in our community. We, this vision of ours is generational. 
if we really want to see transformation, if we really want to see change for the name of Jesus Christ, it begins with the next generation. It takes the next generation a high investment in our kids and in our kids' kids. Children matter. Children matter. And if we buy into this, I believe we will accomplish. You'll see that this will actually influence and develop and allow us to be better disciple makers, better uh, at community outreach, better at church replication. Children matter. If they do not, the vision dies with you and with me. Jesus was all about this and talks about children many times in the New Testament. You see him interacting with children. And I want to spend some time this morning looking at a story where Jesus does this in Matthew chapter 19. So if you could pull out your Bibles with me, Matthew chapter 19. It's on page 824. If you're using one of the Bibles here at church and the seats there, you're welcome to do that. Matthew 19, we're going to read verse 13. But before we do that, I just want to ask the Lord to bless the reading of his word this morning. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for your word, the power, the hope that is in our hands that you've given to us, the love letter, the example, the explanation. Lord, the powerful life-breathing words in this book. Thank you for it. Father God, I pray that as we read it this morning that you would teach us. Lord, show us what we need to do, what we need to be excited about as a church. Lord God, help us individually to see what you're calling us to. And Lord God, I know that I'm inadequate to teach Lord, would you teach by your Holy Spirit? Would you fill our souls this morning? We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. The story we're about to read, Jesus is in a home, and there's probably a crowd there, and he's ministering to people, and he's teaching. Some of the discussion is on marriage and divorce, and it kind of just travels down to this, this experience that we're about to read with the children. And it reads like this in verse 13. It says, The children were brought to him that he might lay hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Let me just highlight this this setting here for a little bit here. Like I said, Jesus is probably in somebody's home. We see that from other contexts of this in the other Gospels. And Jesus doesn't go anywhere without a crowd, okay? I imagine there are a ton of people trying to get in, trying to hear from Jesus. You know, those teachers of the law are around, just trying to scoping out what's going on here. And Jesus is healing people. He's teaching them. And then these parents come forward 
and they're excited about what they're talking about, excited about family, and they, they come before Jesus, and I think they want to just honestly, have, there's something about Jesus, and, 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 he, and, and it's not odd for a rabbi uh, with the parents to, to, to pray over and say a blessing for the children when they're very young. And so these parents come with their children. And we don't know exactly the age ranges for sure. The language here uh, is actually just the, the word there in Greek actually just means little children. But in Mark, where the story is told as well, it, it, it says that the, the, the word which means someone who is still being breastfed. So we're talking about some of these kids might be under the age of seven, but some of them are, are definitely infants. Right, and, that, and that's why you see like, that Jesus is picking them up and he's holding them in his hands. So these children are not influential in any way. They may be making some type of noise. They might be disruptive. They're not necessarily ready and willing to put their hope in Jesus Christ I don't even know if the infants that they're actually processing the message of the gospel. They might even may not even remember what's going on. And so the disciples turn them away. There's probably thousands of people there trying to get in to see Jesus. To me, it actually makes sense, right? The disciples are just doing part of their job, trying to, to manage the crowd and making sure that the right people are getting through to, to actually do, so that Jesus can do the most good. Because Jesus' time is, is valuable. I don't know um, how busy your schedules are, but um, I listened to this um, podcast recently of this pastor who is overseeing a, a big, you know, 20,000-something member church, and he was telling uh, the, the, the audience just about what his day is like. He feels like his time is so valuable. He's really got to focus because he has, you know, hundreds of employees and people that are coming to him and need specific time. And so he has to monitor that time. But he wants to make sure that, that only the most important things are the things that he is tackling. And so in the morning time, he actually counts out like the steps and, and, and plans out his morning to make sure that he has definite time to spend with the Lord in the morning because that's what's most important to him. And then when he gets to, to work in the morning, uh, he, he, has, he knows who's coming, how much time they're going to get. He tries to allocate the time depending upon how important that it is because he really wants to make sure that everything that needs to get done gets done. It says He said that at lunchtime they used to go out to eat a lot, but they don't go out anymore. He actually has lunch ordered and brought into him because he can still meet with people enjoy lunch but he doesn't have to wait for the, the the time to travel to the place and then wait for the check to come that's valuable time and the reason he does this thing it sounds a little bit crazy but things are very important to him he wants to be done so he can get home and be with his children because they are radically important Jesus only has three years he's got to do 
what's most important to lay the groundwork, to raise up the disciples, to invest in the community, that the gospel would go forward and after the resurrection, the church would be born and spread out and be strong enough to exist and conquer the world for the name of Jesus Christ. His time is so important. And here, the disciples are, I don't know how much they understand about this, but it seems it would make sense that they would filter who's coming to him. But Jesus stops them and rebukes them. And the language there is pretty harsh. It says that he's indignant. He is ticked off. And Jesus doesn't get ticked off that often to the disciples. He, just a few times like two or three times in all the stories that are, that are written about Jesus and his disciples. He corrects them a bunch of times. He teaches them. He gets frustrated with them. But rarely does he flip on them. And is he mad? What are you doing? And he rebukes them. Clearly, Children matter. Children matter. Jesus rebukes them. I think he, he, he says, let the children come. In, in two different ways, he, he, he rebukes them. The first one is he, he just says to them, don't, don't do that. Let the children come to me. Obviously, the parents matter too. Jesus knew something. We're talking about using my time for what is most valuable. Disciples, don't you realize that these parents need to hear me, care for their kids, see me love on their kids, witness me picking them up and loving what they love. The parents matter Ministry to children is really witnessing to their parents and to the ones who care for them the most. <laughs> right? I mean, some of these children don't even, they won't even remember this, that they actually sat on the lap of Jesus. Oh, but their parents will. Their parents will. And over the years that I, I just, I love our church so much. This church is a special place. We really do care for children here. And I've, I've been excited about our, our children's ministry and our, our teenage ministry. And, and, and there are many of us in this room that are here because this church loved your kids. We've grown in our faith. We've experienced the love of Jesus Christ because somebody here loved your kids. Friends, we love the children. We minister to the children. We program for our children because the parents matter. I imagine that Jesus was laying the groundwork here in the hearts of these parents, that many of these parents were probably some of the early church growing out of the resurrection. 
All because the groundwork was laid as he welcomed those little children. You bet I will pray for them. You bet I will lay hands on them. And, and the culture was, was weird back then. You didn't really, especially rabbis, they didn't like reach out and touch people very often because they were too afraid of being unclean. And here's Jesus, not just praying over them, but picking them up, touching them. And it says that he did it for every single one and then he left. This story seems like a little blip on the radar. It's just a few sentences. We can easily read over it. But of all the hundreds and thousands of things that Jesus said and Jesus did, only a few of them are recorded down throughout the Gospels. And this one is recorded in three different times in every one of the synoptic gospels. Something is important. Something is powerful. Something is transformative. Children matter. When we reach the next generation, we transform today. We transform each other. We transform this generation. Children matter. But Jesus just doesn't rebuke him there. He rebukes him and he says this. You need to be like these children. He says, you need to be like these children. He uses this moment as a teaching point. And this is something that he said many of other times before. You see, children were always around. You see children in the feeding of the 5,000. There's a boy who brings the, the, the loaves and the bread. They're a part of that miracle. You see children in other times where he's teaching and preaching. He actually picks up a kid and for a while just gives a whole sermon about, about things that, that we should be like these little children. And he holds his child in his hand, loving on him and using him as an illustration. In this period, he stops everything and says, you need to understand if you really want what you think you're getting, if you really want to do what you think you're fighting for, you need to see yourself as these little children, these little children, these little infants, right? And I don't think he's saying like you need to be pure like them. You need to work on yourself so you'll be sinless like them. Because we all know that the children are not without sin. It doesn't take time for your kids. You think they're all beautiful and innocent until you realize that this smile <laughs> is not a good one. Yes, we live with that in my house. There's not a dull moment, right? Uh, I have a two-year-old and a, uh, a five-year-old and a 19-year-old. Sin is all over the place, right? <laughs> people tell me, people tell me, um, you know, uh, they're telling me about their, their, their TV schedule, right? They, oh, there's this new show that they've been watching. It's really exciting. Have you seen it? Blah, blah, blah. No, I can't breathe. 
I get up in the morning, I, I hit the gym on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I throw it in just so you think that I work out. And then uh, I come back, I get the kids ready, we go out to daycare, we come back, we, 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 we make sure everybody eats. Sometimes we have a meeting in the evening, sometimes we're not, then we're doing baths and everything, and I try to connect with my oldest kid then. And then by 10.30, finally everybody is down. I go down to speak to my wife for like 20 minutes, and then pff, I'm out, we turn around, and we do it again. Slavery, parenting is hard. <laughs> parenting is hard. Because they need you so much, right? They need you so much. We, we depended on our parents so much. Our children depend on us so much. You know, especially when they're young, like these little kids coming to Jesus, right? They can't, they can't clean up their own faces. They have to, you got to wipe their butts. They can't even dress themselves. Can you remember? Just the, the earliest remember, you know, there's memories in your mind of, of you being a child. Can you remember just how dependent you were on your parents? The earliest memory I have of this, um, and I can't really tell you how old I was or really what happened in the end, honestly, but I remember the, the scenario and how I felt like it was yesterday. Uh, I, I, I wanted breakfast in the morning. I, I think my mom was still in the shower. She just wasn't ready to, to uh, get me some cereal, but I wanted my, some cereal. I wasn't supposed to get the milk out by myself, but I go to the refrigerator and think, you know, I can handle this. I'm a big kid now. And there's a brand new gallon of milk in the refrigerator. And I pull the gallon of milk out and I am, this thing is like half my size. And I'm carrying this thing to the table. And you would think the fact that it was so difficult getting it up on the table that I would resign from doing this. But I open it up and I got my bowl there and I take the milk and I turn it like this and it's too much for my little wrist and it collapses and the milk drops onto the table and it goes everywhere and I freaked out you would think I would pick it back up quick start mopping it up you know I just took off <laughs> And I can see it like, like it was yesterday that this sheet of white all over the, the table, the whole table, this entire thing of milk all over the table. I can't even pour myself a glass of milk. You felt this way. You're in great need. Jesus is saying... You need to be like these children. You need to be like these, these little children. You need to see yourself in a need for God. Like little children need their mom, need their dad to take care of them, to provide for their needs. You need to see your status down here where you are utterly dependent upon Jesus Christ. And then, then you can enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is only in humility that we come to know Jesus Christ. It is only when we see our need for him that we start walking out in faith and, and trusting him with our lives. That's what true faith is. 
Faith like a child is faith that says, I know that I'm a sinner. I need Jesus Christ. Look at the world around you. We're falling apart. Every day I get older, I realize that my body is not going to last. Inside of me, I feel like there's something more. I feel like I'm made for more than just the, the, the 80, 90 years that I live. And the truth is, yes, there is something more. Sin has destroyed us. It's damaged us. We need a Savior. There's nothing I can do. I try so hard to do what is right and all the time I turn back to the same stupid things over and over again I am a child I need Jesus Christ and oh what a beautiful picture for him to say you got to be like one of them as they're climbing into his arms and he's holding them there and he's he's touching them and he's praying over them and he's loving on them Jesus Jesus is worthy of being Lord. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And you can have it if you're willing to see yourself in need of it. Now, many of us, I think, at times, and I've had this conversation, you hear something like this and you think, what are you trying to tell me, Pastor Josh? Am I supposed to trust Jesus blindly? like a faith of a child, blind. No. No, that's not what I'm talking I'm talking about status. Christianity is not a blind faith. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of people saw Jesus Christ after the resurrection. He said, I'm going to prove it to you. Apostle Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. Jesus stopped him in his tracks. So what are you doing? I want you to live for something different. I want you to actually live for me. And even today, Jesus is not asking you to believe and walk in him in blind faith. He's saying, trust me and try me. Test me, follow after me, reach out to me. Look at the proof and the evidence all around you. This room is filled with changed lives because of Jesus Christ. I think sometimes faith is like this. When I was in college, uh, a buddy of mine had this great idea that... Um, he, he, he grew up in, in the area of Bloomsburg and he knew where this old railroad bridge was. And um, his idea was that, is that we would um, take girls out there, we would get girlfriends. <clears throat> That's not the point of the story. <laughs> um, and so I thought, hey, what a great idea. And so we go out to this uh, old railroad bridge and uh, with with, with uh, some girls and um, he walks out there and it does not look like it looks old and I'm thinking dude I'm a big dude I'm gonna be the one in the newspaper okay I'm gonna be the one that breaks that trust and he's like will you stop complaining and get out here All right. and so I take that first step onto that first trust you know and okay I take the next step, 
all right. Don't want to look too stupid because the girls are looking. And a few steps later, the next thing I know, I'm in the middle of the bridge. How about it? Friends, that's what faith is like. By the way, it worked. She married me. That is what faith is. Faith is hearing it, understanding your need for it, and taking that first step. You take your next step, you take the next step, and the next thing you know, you're standing in the middle, and you realize that he's holding you up you realize that it's real. You realize the change that he's made. You realize the hope that you have. You realize as you continue to walk in it and even go through the suffering that your faith has gotten stronger and stronger and stronger and you've built this relationship and he's been carrying you all along. Faith is not something that you just follow blindly. He says, knock and the door will be open. Seek, and you will find. Test it. He never turned away. He actually took Thomas and said, here, stick your hand here. Faith. I'm not saying that all your questions are going to be answered, but faith is about walking and trying, and the next thing you know, The next thing you know, you're right there. And there's a whole history behind you. A proof and evidence that Jesus is real. Some of you need to take that first step today. You've spent too long letting your doubts count you out. Stop that. Go answer the questions. Continue to knock. Today's the day. Now is the time to take that first step. I think all of us here know we need something more. I'm presenting to you Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And it's a simple prayer crying out to him, asking him for the answers. He's calling you right now. He wants you to say, Lord, help me with my doubts. I realize my need. Help me come into my life. Friends, this is salvation. It's taking that first step, and I guarantee you, he will hear you. And we are here together. That's what church is all about, to go on this journey together. Today's the day. It's a simple prayer, a prayer of repentance. I know I need you. Lord, come into my life. And he will. And keep taking those steps. I would love to help you with this. There's a room filled with people here that want to talk to you about this. Don't leave today without doing that. Some of you think that you're not good enough, that you're not in the right place to live for Jesus, that you're too young, or maybe you feel like, oh, I don't have all the answers, or maybe you feel like I've screwed up way too much. The whole thing here is that these little children are crawling up 
onto the lap of Jesus Christ. They don't necessarily come with great influence in their community. They're not necessarily bringing him money. They haven't even had time to do right things or wrong things. But Jesus, Jesus wants them. And he wants you. He's all about the lowly. He's all about the ones who are messed up. He's all about the ones who are in great need. He's all about the ones who feel like they don't fit. They're too far gone. He wants you. You're his little child. We were made for him. Today is the day. Now is the time. And Jesus is saying this. He wants us to understand this. And he's spending, he's stopping everything so that we would hear it. But I don't think this story is just about the lesson of the kingdom and of salvation. I think, I think this story is even deeper than that. Because there's so many other times that Jesus talks about this. He doesn't get ticked off. You know why he's so mad? He actually loves kids. Jesus loves the little children. The old Sunday school song, all the children of the world. Every, every night I sing to my, my littlest kids, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know. And I teach them, I want them to get that, I want it to sink in, and I really believe it. He loved those kids. He wanted to hold them. He wanted to touch them. And I think that he, he does that because he has a great desire for them. And the sooner they come in contact with Jesus, the better. The sooner they hear from him, they experience his, his touch, the better. He, he knew that here they are and this whole life is going to be ahead of them. I got to welcome these parents. I got to celebrate the fact they're bringing them to me. Because before matters. Before their initial struggles with sin, it matters. The earlier a child comes in contact with Jesus Christ, the greater work that can be done. Friends, before matters, I tell this to my teen workers all the time, the ones who have so faithfully served with me over the years. We say, before matters, before they get stuck in the sexual sin, before they hear the lies about their body, right? Before someone takes advantage of them at school, before they, 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 they experience the struggles and the suffering of divorce and difficult things and, and challenges and disease in their life, before they're told they're ugly by some idiot at school, before they're offered drugs before they fall and they make such big disgusting terrible decisions before they're dragged into the the chains of pornography suffering will come and oh if they could touch Jesus early could they not find the hope in the trials could they not know where to go back to when they've fallen. Oh, the power of ministry to children 
and the care for them and the love for them. Jesus modeled this. He truly loved the little children. If we want to change our world, if we want to change our community, it means that every single one of us have to get serious about the ministry to the little children. We have an awesome children's ministry. We have an awesome teenage ministry, and we need help. I would love it to, to just fill the more adults, the better. We go on, on uh, trips sometimes, and it's 50-50, 50% adults and 50% kids. And people tell me, like, isn't that a weird mix? It's awesome. It brings the church together. They're not the future of the church per se. Yeah, they are, but they're the church today. And how beautiful it is to do ministry side by side. There are so many opportunities in our children's ministry to just be clear and be careful candid about the love of Jesus Christ. Today is a great day to talk with Carlin or myself or somebody at the info desk and say, hey, I'm interested in helping out here. Now this, this is for everybody. The message today, you're a junior high kid, perk up, listen up. You're a senior high kid. You're, you're, you're in your golden years. This is for you. God has given us the wealth of children, the responsibility of children in our lives. Every single one of us have a relationship with a child. Do you realize in the United States, of all the people that come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, as they would say that they are born again in another word, that they, they see themselves as having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Of all those people, 77, this is a recent statistic, 77% of them come to know Jesus Christ before they're 21. 77% of them. Some estimates go upwards of 80% before their adulthood. Oh, the power of the family. Oh, the power of the children's ministry. Our resources, our mindsets. If you want to be the most effective for the name of Jesus Christ, it's in the next generation. And this takes every single one of this. You're a junior high kid. Do you have a younger brother or a younger sister? You a teenager? Could you invest in that friend in, your, in the hallway? Odds are in your favor. You are in a great position, one different than any other time in your life. And in fact, as kids get over from like 13 to 21, friends and extended family are even more important. Parents, your job is so big, it's so important. Faith needs to be intertwined into your daily lives. Over 50% of people who come to know Jesus Christ do so through their parents' witness. That blows my mind. The power of the family. 
Special events, only like less than 20% impacts kids. You know what the worst is? Me. Pastor Scott. Less than 7% of people who put their faith in Jesus Christ say that it's because of the pastor prompting me. Please still pay me. I like my job. I like my job. But the power is not on the stage. It's in the relationships with your niece and your nephew. It's in the relationships with your siblings. It's in relationships with that kid in your hallway right before homeroom. It's the relationships with your children as they grow up and your teenager. Friends, we are the priests. There is one high priest. His name is Jesus Christ. The priest is the go-between, between God and man. We are the presence of God in the lives of the children around us. The Holy Spirit dwells in anyone who's put their faith in Jesus Christ. Who are you? You are the priest of Jesus Christ. You are the presence of God. And when we see that, and we channel that, and we focus that into our relationship with our children, and relationships with young people in our lives, if we would come to youth group and not see it as just something happening to us, but something that we are, then we will accomplish our vision. Then we will change our community. Are you a grandparent? Find ways to incorporate your faith and your relationship with the kids. Pick them up, take them to the game. There's this thing I like to call the be with factor. Sometimes just being with them and spending time and trying to be loving, patient, kind, selfless. These things will show the gospel to them. Be specific about the things that excite you. Take them to, to a basketball game and on the way there, tell them, you know what's really exciting to me? My faith in Jesus Christ. And I wanted to spend some time just telling you how I became a Christian. Are you a parent, maybe of a, of a teenager? Make sure they're plugging in to the right relationships. Just try to encourage that. Make sure you do things that build trust in their hearts, that they feel like you're for them, like you're still that dad who's willing to pick them up and hold them and bless them. Make sure that you are candid about your faith and they see it. You have little kids, you even have more of a shot. In my house, we'll, 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 we'll read a Bible verse sometimes and then we'll act it out. We'll read a Bible story, and then we'll act it out, and I'll try to record it. Maybe you've seen some of these on YouTube. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll break out the guitar, um, and, and we'll sing some worship songs. Or maybe you don't have a guitar in your house, and you don't, you're not musically inclined, but throw some worship music on on the radio, or play a YouTube video, and just sing along with them. The kids will eat it up. 
They'll eat it up. Be candid about your faith to them. Let them hear you pray. Invite them to do those things. Find the right relationships. Plug them into the ministries here at church. Wear your faith on your jacket. Now, I mean, with teenagers, that's a little harder. If all of a sudden you have your 16-year-old kid and you start singing worship songs and ask for worship time, they're going to be like, Dad's finally walked off the deep end. (laughs) Or maybe not. Might be worth a shot. But with them, that be with factor, that trust factor, it means everything. Plugging them in with some of those other relationships, you an aunt or an uncle of a teenager, you a grandparent of a teenager, you are more powerful than you know. You a friend of a teenager, your witness is bigger than it'll ever be. We need mentors. Could you pull, is there a kid you could pull aside? You think of yourself as a mentor. That, that once in a while you'll call them up. Hey, I just wanted to have a spiritual conversation with you. Hey, we do this in the student ministry sometimes. All I, what we're going to do is, is I would love to do some discipleship with you. And, and all I'm going to say is every couple of weeks I want to call you and just talk about highs and lows going on in your world. And be prepared to share maybe a little snippet of something you're learning spiritual. It's simple questions like that, simple discussions like that. Who are we in this story? Are we like the the, the joy of Jesus Christ welcoming children? Are we like the parents bringing them? Or are we the disciples? They're not really that important. They're not really what the ministry is all about. They're on the side burner. We don't really have responsibility for them. That's what somebody else is there for. Now is the time for us to build the future. And it starts with the next generation. I hope that you'll meet with us next week. Next week we'll be talking about other things, the the how we're going to really impact our community. We'll talk about finances. We'll talk about leadership. I think it'll be a real blessing to you. So I hope to see you next week. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for everybody in this room. I pray, Lord God, that you would have your way in our hearts, Lord. You know all the little kids that are represented right here. Lord, give us a heart for them. Help us to love as you love. Lord, help us. Lord, I believe, Lord, so much in this church. This church has changed my life. And I pray that we would continue in the love that, we have, that I have experienced here. But Lord, would you expand that? And from this day on, that we would be just so consumed and excited about what you would do in the lives of children. Help us to be a part of that. Show us where that needs to be. Maybe even what we need to do this afternoon. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.